Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Take a deep breath. Let it all in. Let it all out. Let it all in. Let it all out. Enjoy the moody guitar solo going on. I think I played... I played this... Ooh, it's a little tasty, isn't it? I, I really like this song, Joey. Thank you. This was just me having fun. I'm trying to think how many years ago. This had to be 2010, so nine years ago is when I did this. It was just a workout. Make the beat thing and then play guitar live on top of it. I'd have pulled some of them out a little bit longer when you, like, you're, you're coming to the end of a crescendo right here. I love how it slides down here. See, I would have held that one longer right there where you yeah. went. And just... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that's the one downside to when you're just recording directly into a computer. You can't quite get the same, it's not the same as playing through a real amp, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. You you play guitar, right? Oh, all the time. All the time. (laughs) Of course, you're a man of many talents. Of course, we have Southern Wood here this evening. This is the Joey Clark Radio Hour, and where to go this evening? Speaking of breathing in, breathing out... I've been hitting the DDPY, Diamond Dallas Page, yoga. Uh, He doesn't like it these days when people call it yoga, because it is different than your traditional yoga uh, practice. So I'll call it DDPY. I've been doing that every day. I've been going over to Express Fitness 24-7, three, four times a week, doing weightlifting on top of that. And what time can you go over there? Whenever you like. Once you sign up and become a member, uh, it's a one-time sign-up fee, then I believe it's like 40 bucks a month. And uh, it's month to month, no long term contract. And when you become yeah, a but member, I mean, you got to sign up for like a year, though, no, right? No, it's month to month, month to month. So you try it out for two months, you're like, eh, I don't like the place. You can try it out. You're not hooked into some long term contract. But here's the thing: you're not going to do that. You're going to love the place because you do have 24 seven access. Get an access key. You can go whenever it suits your schedule. Whether you're getting some late-night cardio in, waking up early, earning that sunrise, trying to compete with, like, what is it, Jocko Wilnick, or what is his... Jocko, I know, is his first name. He he posts these things on Instagram. I learned this from Joe Rogan, and I started following the guy. It is good motivation. He posts photos of his wristwatch, and it's usually at 4.15 in the morning. Oh, He's I up thought, every morning. I thought you were talking about Salt Bay, the way he does the little <laughs> <That> guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is dynamite. He is my favorite person 
on the web right now. But I'm loving Express Fitness. Go, uh, go check it out because you can get a lot of the heavy lifting. I'm doing a lot of work with free weights. We did some plyometric work today, which is a lot of jumping around. It was like I was back in basketball training again. Uh, so there's plenty of room to do things like that in the open facility. So check them out, expressfitness24.com, or uh, give them a call and tell them Alex. Tell Alex that Joey sent you. That's the guy I'm working out with, uh, one of the co-owners over there. Um, but I'm doing the yoga along with the... It's a nice counterbalance because, you know, you do like some heavy squat or deadlift, your hips will feel tight and your back will feel like, oh, you you bore some weight, which you did if you're doing back squats or deadlifts mm-hmm. or whatnot. Okay. So I'll counteract that with yoga. And yoga can be really tough if you push yourself to certain moves or it can be as simple as stretching in the morning and feeling a little better. And I've just learned that yoga is not something to look down on. It's not just a woman thing. (laughs) It isn't. Um, And it's not some, oh, exotic new fad. No, it's a very useful form of exercise and stretching. I mean, you can, again, push yourself really hard and you can sweat. I mean, you can burn, if you go real hard for over an hour, like 700, 800 calories. It's pretty legit. Now, you got to work for that. But on you know a usual yoga session, you could burn probably 300 calories, like a good walk or a good run. And then I love it. It stretches you out. You get more flexible, especially as we get older in life. You wake up in the morning, you feel a little tight. Ugh, yoga will help with that. Mm. So I love it. But here's why I'm not being paid by DDPY or any yoga practitioner to talk about it. The reason I brought this up is I ran across an AL.com article. It's illegal, Joey. I know. This is nuts. <laughs> It is really, it is an ancient exercise. It, it's an exercise. It's also a re- relaxation technique. How dare people relax and breathe in, breathe out, and think about their lives in the world? We're so <laughs> freaking backwards in this state. And right now, various universities do offer it. Uh, it's, but... So, University of Alabama, I'm sure there's yoga going on. Auburn's got yoga. I'm sure even, like, Montevallo and all these different... AUM. I'm sure there's a yoga class wherever Troy, you go. Troy. Faulkner's probably got Faulkner, it. I'm sure. <laughs> but here's the thing, folks. Yoga, according to Alabama state law, is prohibited in K-12 through education. That is right. A PE teacher <laughs> oh. cannot say, hey, we're going to do some yoga today. Clay? We're just going to do fancy stretching. Clay, <laughs> uh, why do you and Lauren not send your children to public school? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's unreal. I mean, well, and here's the thing. Yoga along with hypnosis, meditation, and guided imagery exercises, whatever the hell that is, they've all been prohibited by... for in the state public schools since 1993. And recently the legislature tried to do away with this ban on these, th- but the state board of education opted not to take it up despite yoga being listed on a February work session agenda. It, what led to the ban is yoga's <laughs> so ties to Eastern religion. Oh, okay. Well, so, now, yeah, it's just a, a surreptitious way for the Hindus to take over the country. What in the world? <laughs> Here's my question, Come Joey. on, Alabama. Now, now here's my question. If <laughs> if you can't... I'm trying to do this with a straight face. Quit laughing. The If you can't teach or have a yoga class in any 
school in the state of Alabama, why does 95% of the women that live in the state of Alabama wear yoga pants? Well, it's a new... They're, I don't know. You, you should ask them. Well, you've worn yoga pants. Why would they do that? And, and the greater question is... And, and people always... I mean, people ask me this. I, I've been on the air enough. They're like, what's 84 mean? Where did 84 come from? I'm fixing to tell you. Here's the bigger question about yoga pants. Mm-hmm. Why do 84% of the women that should never wear yoga pants in public wear them in public and only 16% that should only wear yoga pants in public wear yoga pants because they know what you're up to Answer that question for me. Because they know what you're you're up to. You That's le- where the 84 you're comes from. All, you're leering old, dirty old man. Yeah, if they're <laughs> the 16 percenters. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yeah, this I just I thought I'd read that before, but it hit me again. Yoga is banned in public schools. It's just let's change that, Alabama. It's not a big deal because you can you know go do yoga whenever you like. It's <laughs> to, to, to be honest. So what that is? That's one of those virtue signaling mm-hmm. deals that the government loves to do. The Hindus are taking over. You know, it's just like Give me a when they when they passed the gas tax this year. Nobody wanted it. No. And they rushed it through, forced it through, shoved it down our throats. Mm-hmm. And then the very next thing, do you remember the very next thing they passed? No abortion period is legal in the state of Alabama. That's Without any exception to rape or incest. None. No exceptions. That's the type of virtue signaling they do is they'll get something in that benefits the you know the big wigs right and then they'll throw something at you know clay and joey is like here here i, I know y'all are against well, abortion and, so we're going to throw this well, at y'all this may or may and not, not you particularly but well, and, you know what i'm saying and we're, and we're not necessarily calling out the sponsor of that bill terry collins because i think she'd been working on that for a while like i don't think it's like but i do wonder who was setting the docket those sorts of things, they, those are more people I would point the finger at. Like, okay, you just did the gas tax. Now that's the first thing you put on the on the agenda. Interesting. Yeah, but I think Terry Collins was heartfelt in well, her crafting of that bill. Getting out of committee is a big thing mm-hmm. in our state government, and it's uh, uh, the uh, oh crap education uh, trust fund. No, not the trust fund, but the uh, uh, Common Core. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Common Core has been passed and and gotten into committee every single freaking year. Yeah. And then this year, oh, yeah, it comes out of committee. Then it goes back to the House and it dies in the House because it does not what? Come out of committee. So the committees are what holds up everything in this state of what does and does not go through. Well, and it, it makes you long for, in some weird way, though you probably shouldn't long for such days, but the days when you, you could clearly, like, fight for liberty against, like, the oppressors, like, 
you know, open up a big can of whoop ass against the British at Yorktown. You know, it's like, why can't I be fighting that fight instead of caught up in parliamentary procedure and symbolic voting here in the Alabama legislature or God forbid the Congress. But I mean, I think we take for granted actually how good we've got it. I'm on this new kick where I'm trying not to be as cynical about the world. I'm trying to inform myself about the history and whatnot. Um, I want to cover something that happened two weeks ago from today. Okay. Happened on August 6th. Olga Misik, I believe I'm saying that right, she's 17 years old, lives in Russia. She became a symbol of Russia's pro-democracy movement. Some are comparing her to the tank man. In Tiananmen Square. Okay. Back in 1989 in Beijing. I remember that. This young girl, wearing a bulletproof vest, sat in front of Russia's riot police. On her lap was a copy of the Russian Constitution, which she began reading to the heavily armored police around her. Behind them was a demonstration calling for transparent Moscow elections. And, not surprisingly, several people were injured. After she did this, by the way... They let her read, but after she did this, they arrested her and held her for a while. And so essentially what, you don't have democracy in Russia, and you don't really have uh, freedoms like we enjoy here in the West. And, I mean, she doesn't hate Russia, she doesn't hate her country, she just wants freedom from her country. I am only for myself and for the people, she said. I have a neutral attitude towards the opposition leaders, but I support what they're trying to do by actually having, you know, open elections. She sat cross-legged in front of riot police, equipped with shields, batons, and helmets behind her. And she pulled out a copy of Russia's 1993 constitution and began reading from it. I read four sections, she says, an article talking about the right to peacefully protest, an article saying that everyone can take part in elections, has the right to freedom of speech, and that the people's will and power are the most important thing for the country. Images of her protests were shared all around the world. She left the scene after reading, but was later arrested on her way to the metro station. Mm-hmm. And it's it's... It reminds me, somebody called in to the damn war show earlier today and said, Joey, I don't know what libertarian means. Can you define that? And it really didn't have enough time. I gave the basic boilerplate answer. You know, I believe liberty is the highest political ideal. Liberty helps us have a true, it's the cornerstone of a free society. And when the government goes beyond protecting and securing liberties and rights and tries to do things, I don't know, solve all sorts of problems with government force, it's going too far. It should be to protect individual rights like the freedom of speech. And the way I think of government, I think this is a good way to think of government, is that government is there to discipline and punish those who violate others' rights. Yeah. So thieves, murderers, uh, fraudsters, con men, all sorts of things like that. You know, give essentially some bumpers so we don't go off the rails completely. Yeah, it's, it's basically strictly punitive. Right, and so, or at least is what it it has become. And it brings us back to like, I will accept, and this is where I'm mellowing out as I get older. I'm getting more practical. I'll accept if the government, if there's going to be government funding of schools, it should be straight up vouchers. Give it to the parents, like yourself. Y'all use the money as you wish. Thank you to educate your own children. That I'm fine with that because I think education is important for having 
an intelligent population who can actually debate and understand complex issues, especially as the world, technologically speaking, becomes more and more complex and complicated. But would you really, when you think about government as sort of punishment, it's like a negative sanction on people's behavior. You have to discipline and punish people. You're not going to discipline and punish people into prosperity, for instance. That's actually how most of the world has operated for most of human history. And all it does is make a few people on top who are doing the punishing rich. doesn't make everybody rich. It makes them more than rich. The, what it does, it makes them powerful. Right. And, and that means so much more than it, it ends up making them wealthy but being powerful well, and, is so much more and than wealthy just by their own money and wealthy by their own day standards right now even the poorest in america are wealthier than kings and queens sure. and people that exploited like you know again i hate to harp on this but this idea that slavery is what made america so rich it's just not true it really is not true and we have to be careful. If you're saying what made us so wealthy is the mass enslavement and brutality of the slavers of the South, the whole King Cotton theory, you're wrong. And we should, and I'm boisterous about this because I care deeply that what creates prosperity and wealth for everybody, from the richest to the poorest, and moves us forward, it's better to be a bum today than it was in 1970 or 1950 or 1900. What does that is freedom and a Classical liberalism, peace, freedom, equality, equality before the law, not equality of outcome. Not only even that statement, equality of opportunity, to me, seems even lacking as well. I kind of want abundance of opportunity. That's really what's going on when you have freedom, is that people are free to pursue all these ideas and opportunities just keep popping up from areas and parts of the mind that you never thought were ever possible. Yeah, Resources aren't these fixed things in the pie. No, resources are something the human mind must engage in and go through a process to make it valuable to other people and create utility. For the wild oil, like fossil fuel, oil was a a pest. Exactly. Give it a rest, pest. It was a, a pest to farmers and stuff until somebody realized, oh, we can use that better than whale oil and kerosene. So I, I like the idea of progress, and I also like the idea that these values, like freedom of speech protest peacefully, these sorts of things are universal ideas. Any people from all sorts of different cultures can somewhat understand them. Here's where I'm worried. Is if I'm answering why am I a libertarian or a classical liberal, number one is because it's made us so rich and brought about the modern world. What was different from the year 1800 to today, over 200 years, is that we've had essentially a program of peace, liberty, equality. Hasn't been perfect. But an interesting thing happened pretty quickly after this system of trade and freedom and free expression got going. Again, it wasn't perfect. You had things like slavery. Around the mid-1800s, you got two different types of thinkers popping up. Yeah, the left-wing version, Karl Marx... Socialism, for lack of a better word, communism. Then you've got sort of the German nationalist movements. You know, I'm not talking the Nazis just yet. And you got the first kind of rise of Germany. They took all these small groups and tribes and put them into the one nation of Germany under the Kaiser. Mm -hmm. And 
it's it kind of is a lurch back from the past. How humanity's state for most of our our existence as human beings on this earth is a few people exploiting everybody else, and it's not really making them richer. They're just exploiting everybody, and they're living high on the hog for their standards. But it's not creating new wealth. It's just taking from other people. <coughs> and of course, it just grinds everybody else into the dirt. And so for a brief period, political, classical liberalism takes over and it starts ushering this process of creation and innovation. And you get a reaction from the so-called clerisy, the authorities, who have been around forever. Sometimes literally the religious class, sometimes the political elites, the nobility, and then also the intellectuals and the, you know, the thought leaders, the artists, they started to react. Like, we can't let the average man just have a go at things. The average man or woman, that's not allowed. We need to control people, damn it. And so what popped up in reaction to classical liberalism, and it took over the world, were a competing theories of left-wing socialism and right-wing nationalism. And, I, and by nationalism, I don't mean I'm a patriot, I love my country. I mean, no, it's nationalism in the sense that it's not your individual liberty that matters, it's the greatness of the nation that matters. And we can sacrifice you to make sure the nation does great things. It's not about individual rights, it's about the collective greatness. Nationalism like you find in Russia today. And if you criticize Putin, you're questioning the greatness of the Russian Federation and the stability of the nation. Okay. Nationalism like you find in China today, which is what they're doing. And so what I'm, I say I'm a libertarian, and I, I kind of break my heart in the current political climate, because there's a war going on on the right right now between the so-called new nationalists and libertarians. For the longest time, the conservative movements actually had a pretty good, not complete, this is where I, I get disappointed with conservatives, they talk a great game about smaller government, limited government, individual liberty. Reagan did this beautifully in his speeches. It didn't always live up to the ideal, and that's, that's fine, especially when you have to deal with Democrats in Congress. But since, especially the Reagan days started by Goldwater, there's been a great libertarian streak in the Republican Party. Imperfect, but a good anchor for the Republican Party, and the Tea Party was one manifestation of that. And you look back at the Democratic Party, JFK, Jack Kennedy, like, and even the guys who did the big welfare state, they weren't full-blown socialists. So here's the deal, is when I say I'm a libertarian, there are elements in the some bleeding-heart liberals that are libertarian. There are elements of some very traditionalist conservatives that are very libertarian. What seems to be happening now, and I'm not talking out of my backside, folks, there was just a conference on the new conservative nationalism, and they're explicitly calling out libertarian influences, saying we need the federal government to take on big societal problems that we on the right see as problems. And competing with that, you now have, who just attracted 12,000 people in Iowa? Elizabeth Warren, who's essentially a socialist. And I, I step back and go, where's the liberty? Where's the libertarian influence that has actually animated both parties? And I, I'm worrying that it's the same story that was happening in the 1800s that ruined the rest of the world in many regards. And, mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to see the source of a lot of the world wars, you look to the nationalism in Germany, you look to the socialism in the Soviet Union.
and all the instability those revolutions brought about all over Europe. And they're both essentially come from the same place. The collective matters more than the individual. Individual freedom is dangerous and risky. We must give power to the government to speak for us and take care of us and defend us against others and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It, it comes from the same place. It's called Sesame Street. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, Joey, I mean, and, and you laugh. And and I do say it somewhat in jest, yeah. but I mean that's I mean that's the thinking that we've bought into, and and liberty, I'm I'm all about some yeah. being a libertarian, sure, to the effect that the only issue with that is you must be you must be Joey Clark mm. willing to suffer the consequences of your actions. Amen. I think it's the most moral position. If I do something that screws up my life, I must bear the consequences, unless it's in the good faith of a friend voluntarily to help me. But I'm not going to say I have a right to use the power of the government to make people take care of me. That's so why uh, uh, many of my conservative friends <clears throat> disagree with me about, like, drugs. Make them all legal is the way I feel. Make them all legal. And they're like, no, no, you can't make heroin legal. Yeah, you can. Heroin can be legal. You can at least decriminalize it, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, indeed. Whatever, it whatever name you want to put well, attached the, to it, there's a, let it, there let is it a be legal. Well, there's a difference in the sense that I think you could decriminalize at the federal level heroin. Even the worst drug that nobody should put in their body. That's why I went it, there. It doesn't mean that, exactly, it doesn't mean that the municipality of Montgomery has to go, yeah, you can sell it at the convenience store. No, I, I don't right. care if you sell it at the convenience store. That's up to each municipality and each mm -hmm. state, and it let them decide that. Right. But don't make it illegal. However, if Joey gets hooked on heroin and he's mainlining three times a day, it's my fault. Th then <laughs> the government as a whole should not pay for any of your medical issues. They're like, dude. You're dropping heroin all day, every day. That's what's wrong with you. Right. Go straighten up. <laughs> right. It's not the responsibility. And if you take all those off, and I mean, you, you can go all the way down the line of all these government programs, and you've, you've brought uh, one or two of them up tonight. Don't pay for the crap. If you didn't pay for the crap, then, because, see, federal money is the crack that states live on. And the state of Alabama's like, oh, yeah, oh, you're going to give us $11,000 per child This in school? Okay. Yeah, but the federal government says if we give you that 11000 you have to do use this, this curriculum. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to teach this, this, and this. Well, how do you they, have to provide this, this, and this. Sticking to alcohol and other drugs, or in particular alcohol, how did they make the drinking age 21 across the nation? They did it in a backdoor way by saying, if you accept a federal transportation fund, That's right. then you've got to have your laws this way. Because I think still in Mississippi, you can legally buy alcohol and drink at the age of 18. I don't think that they took the federal money. Well, that would explain a lot. <laughs> Eight or 19, whatever it is. Yeah. I, and I they was, may have changed I thought it, it was recently. 21 across the board at this point. Well, that's the way that yeah. it got changed to 21, is the federal government said, you can't buy alcohol till you're 21, 
Right. If you want federal matching funds for your road system. Well, and I get, I just. If not, do whatever you want to do. I just want to make my position clear. As especially we go into 2020, and I get it. When folks have a gun to their head, which is pretty, we're near literally that's the case. And you have to pick between, say, Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump. I understand that people are not only going to vote for Donald Trump, but really stump for him and go against the left wing. I get it. I'm also saying, folks, we don't have to give in to these impulses of use the federal government and nationalize every issue. And we got to sacrifice more and more individual liberty in order to solve all these big societal problems. Number one, because I think the big societal problems are caused by the fact that we've been trying to solve everything with the federal government. Thank you, Joe. There is a uniquely American way that every American patriot understands. It's called life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's called federalism, that you disperse power amongst the states and the local municipalities, that you can have these democracies all over the country instead of one big democracy that you can get things done on a voluntary basis and it's a thought experiment that's worthwhile if you could not run to the federal government to go ban something or god forbid even your state government to go get something done if you could not discipline and punish your way into some goal how would you solve that problem because there are all sorts of problems opioid abuse is a problem how do you solve it if you can't run to the government to solve the problem, how do you solve that problem? And I'm not saying that's the way it's going to work. I get the realistic politics of the day, but it's useful to at least start thinking about if I couldn't run to the government authorities or lobby or whatever, how would I solve this problem in my life? It's worth it. And that's the best way for us to create strong communities. It really is. But you know what, Joey? That's the hardest way to solve any of those problems you brought up. Well, the easy way to solve it is I'm going to vote for Joey Clark. Well, he's running for House District 74 right now. But the irony is that, he's going to fix yeah. the problem. But for the him. irony is it doesn't that doesn't actually solve the problem. No, it, it doesn't, but it gives you It feels the, like it, you're it doing gives something. You, yeah, yeah, it gives you that false sense of of security and you're like, "Oh yeah, you know Joey, he I, I heard him at a at a speech, and he said he was going to fight against them. And then you get elected, and you go in the back room with the big pharma company, and you're like, and they're like, "No, nah, dude, you got to to pump this up and make it to where." And man, it sounds terrible, but one of the worst things that ever happened was when they made the federal law that if you show up at an emergency room, you must receive care, whether you can pay for it or not. That was one of the... That destroyed health care in this country. Right. I mean, it really did. Because, I mean, the, the, the sad fact is some people, they can't afford it. And you don't get it if you can't pay for it. Right. And when they said, yep, everybody gets it, then if you get a cold, you take your child up to the emergency room, they have to see that child, sure. and they have to treat it. And if you walk up to them and say, well, I ain't, I ain't got no money, I, I, I can't pay for it, then that cost of treating that child is passed on to Joey when you run into a fence or something and you bust your head open and you have to get 
you know, nine stitches. Well, and the way I would go about solving that, number one, is there are a lot of reasons why it's so expensive and inaccessible for the poor. And it has, well, not, there's some to do with insurance, but all sorts of other regulations and rules that limit the supply of health care and competition in health care. You've got limits on supply, plus you've got unlimited demand. Yeah. Because even if you're illegal, if you walk across the border and don't get caught, and you end up right here in Alabama, and you go to Baptist South Medical Center or Baptist East or where have you, and say, hey, I just, <clears throat> you know, uh, I've got the flu. They must treat you, and they must see you, and they must pay for you. And you have put not one single penny into the entire system. I mean, it's... When you, it's a Pandora's box that has been opened up. Well, and it'd be one thing if people were saying, let's just have a bare bone safety net to make sure those folks can get help. But what's happened is it's now we have to cover the whole population with the same system. It's not the right way to go. But we got to hit this break. And when I come back, I was doing a little research last night and I found a remarkable remarkable piece of writing from Frederick Douglass. That's to do, well, what will we, uh, the question really is, what shall be done? Quoting Douglass directly, what shall be done with the four million slaves if they are emancipated? People were asking it his time. Saying, oh, well, I mean, these enslaved people, why? you can't give liberty to them. What are we going to do with them once they're free? Douglass provides, well, an answer you probably won't hear today from the left or the right. It's a pretty damn good one. Fits the theme tonight. Liberty is the true path forward, folks. We shouldn't forget our tradition. Be right back. Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. Joey Clark here alongside Southern Wood. Now, uh, Clay, to be serious for a moment, um, I really did find this this piece of writing from Frederick Douglass from 1862. Oh, he was probably racist. Yeah, right. You know, and, of course, one of his famous speeches is when he was asked to speak at, I think, a women's group about the 4th of July, and it's this fiery speech of... This is not a glorious celebration for time the Negro or for the black American. That this is a cruel irony. Are you trying to mock me is one of the lines by having me up here to speak about this when you won't even recognize the liberty and dignity of me and people like me while you celebrate it for yourselves. It's a brilliant address. This one's a little bit different. It's not as widely read and spread around today. And I wonder why. But it's 1862, to put you in the time period, folks. The question of emancipating all the slaves really is on the table at this point. And he starts off, I'm not going to read it, but he starts off by saying that all the the disgusting popular sentiments about what are we going to do with these folks if we emancipate these millions of slaves comes up. 
And then I'll start reading. He says, These objections are often urged with a show of sincere solicitude for the welfare of the slaves themselves. It is said, what will you do with them? They can't take care of themselves. They would all come to the north. They would not work. It would be a burden upon the state and a blot upon society. They'd cut their master's throats. They would cheapen labor and crowd out the poor white laborers from employment. Their former masters would not employ them, and they would necessarily become vagrants and criminals, overrunning all our almshouses, jails, and prisons. The laboring classes among the whites would come in bitter conflict with them in all the avenues of labor and regard them as occupying places and filling propositions which should be occupied and filled by white men. A fierce war of races would be inevitable consequence, and the black race would, of course, being the weaker, be exterminated. In view of this frightful, though happily somewhat contradictory picture, the question is asked and pressed with a great show of earnestness at this momentous crisis of our nation's history. What shall be done with the four million slaves if they are emancipated? Douglas goes on. This question has been answered and can be answered in many ways. Primarily, it is a question less for man than for God, less for human intellect than for the laws of nature to solve. It assumes that nature does err, that the law of liberty is a mistake, that freedom, though a natural want of human soul, can only be enjoyed at the expense of human welfare, and that men are better off in slavery than they would or could be in freedom, that slavery is the natural order of human relations, and that liberty is an experiment. What shall be done with them? Our answer is, do nothing with them. Mind your business and let them mind theirs. Your doing with them is the greatest misfortune. They have been undone by your doings, and all they now ask and really have need of at your hands is just to let them alone. They suffer by every interference and succeed best by being let alone. In quoting Frederick Douglass, folks, the Negro should have been let alone in Africa, let alone when pirates and robbers offered him for sale in our Christian slave markets, more cruel and inhumane than the, oh, this is an old school term, Mohammedan slave markets, muscle, let alone by courts, judges, politicians, legislators, and slave drivers, let them alone altogether, and assured that they were thus to be left alone forever, and that they must now make their own way in the world just the same as any and every other variety of human family. As men, we only ask to be allowed to do with ourselves, subject only to the same great laws for the welfare of human society which apply to other men, Jews, Gentiles, barbarian, Scythian. Let us stand upon our own legs, work with our own hands, and eat bread in the sweat of our own brows. When you, our white fellow countrymen, have attempted to do anything for us, it has generally been to deprive us of some right, power, or privilege which you yourself would die before you would submit to have taken from you. When the planters of the West Indies used to attempt to puzzle the pure-minded Wilberforce, William Wilberforce, was the question, how shall we get rid of slavery? His simple answer was, quit stealing. 
In like manner, we answer those who are perpetually puzzling their brains with questions as to what shall be done with the freed slaves. Let him alone and mind your own business. If you see him plowing in the open field, leveling the forest at work with a spade, a rake, a hoe, a pickaxe, or a bill, let him alone. He has a right to work. If you see him on his way to school with a spelling book, geography, and arithmetic in his hands, let him alone. Don't shut the door in his face, nor bolt your gates against him. He has a right to learn. Let him alone. Don't pass laws to degrade him. If he has a ballot in his hand and is on his way to the ballot box to deposit his vote for the man whom he thinks is most justly and wisely administer, to administer the government, which has the power of life and death over him as well as others, let him alone. His right of choice as much deserves respect and protection as your own. If you see him on his way to church, exercising religious liberty in accordance with this or that religious persuasion, let him alone. Don't meddle with him, nor trouble yourselves with any questions as to what shall be done with him. The great majority of human duties are of this negative character. If men were born in need of crutches instead of having legs, the fact would be otherwise. Hell, what a line. We should then be in need of help and would require outside aid. But according to the wiser and better arrangement of nature, our duty is done better by not hindering than by helping our fellow men. Or in other words, the best way to help them is to just let them help themselves. What shall be done if the slaves are emancipated? Deal justly with him. He is a human being capable of judging between good and evil, right and wrong, liberty and slavery, and is as much a subject of law as any other man. Therefore, deal justly with him. He is, like other men, sensible of motives of reward and punishment. Give him wages for work and let hunger pinch him if he doesn't work. He knows the difference between fullness and famine, plenty and scarcity. But will he work? Why should he not? He is used to it. His hands are already hardened by toil, and he has no dreams of ever giving a living, getting a living by any other means than by hard work. But would you turn them all loose? Certainly. We are no better than our Creator. He has turned them loose, and why should not we? And he goes on and on, folks, but it comes back to the same theme. Leave them alone. Your help has been the problem. And your claims of helping have been the problem. And that is what <clears throat> I thought about yesterday. You kept bringing it up over and over, not that you were repeating yourself or anything. Is it was a, a travesty that for a couple of hundred years, people were enslaved in this country. And when they were finally emancipated in the 18, what, 60s? Mm. It took them another hundred years to establish themselves as we're not slaves anymore, we're part of society. Now, was society segregated? Yeah, mm. it was. And was that right? I, I mean, I never got that because I didn't grow up that way. And and but I, I I know it was for a fact. And then a hundred years after pulling yourself out, out of that mire of being a slave, and exactly what he just said, you make it for yourself is basically what I got out of that. 
give them the opportunity. Give everybody the opportunity, whether you're black or white or what you are, whether you're slave or free. You've got the opportunity to fail or succeed. That's your opportunity. And then in 62, 100 years later, the government comes up with a program, let us take care of you. You don't need to take care of yourself anymore. And down here, I'm sorry, Joey, I've just got to say it the way that it is here in Montgomery, Alabama. The majority, not all, no blanket statements, the majority of people that are on welfare are black. They are guaranteed money to buy clothes, diapers, baby formula. They are guaranteed money to pay for rent. They don't even live in projects anymore. It's Section 8 housing, they call it now. So you're guaranteed rent for your house. You're guaranteed money to pay your power bill. You're guaranteed an air conditioner in your house. You're guaranteed plumbing. Now, are you living a great life? Are you excelling? Are you... No, you're not. It's no different than if you were living in a house behind my house, working the fields. I gave you clothes. I gave you food to eat as a slave owner. I mean, it's 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 no different. Right. It's it's voluntary. Now, the it's difference slow. is you can climb out of the welfare system. You can, but the incentive is right. very small. Well, and and let's be clear. Thank God, chattel slavery has been thrown into the dustbin of history in this country. Thank God, the ridiculous patchwork of laws that was known as Jim Crow. And the oppression and the domestic terrorism, Amen, is in the dustbin of history. Yes, and if in this, your point is not necessarily a racial point because if you looked at poor white Appalachia, same you, same problem. And I think sometimes out of and there's a balance to strike. Of course, people do need help, but at a certain point, you have to ask yourself: Is this urge to help and take care of everybody? actually inspiring the best in people but why can't we why cannot we take the welfare system and say all right say use you as an example you're pretend you're Mm -hmm. josephine sure you know and you have a child you're 29 years old and say josephine you know we're we're paying for all this we want you to go get a job well you can only get a job and, you know, at McDonald's or what have you, you can't make enough money to take care of your family and say, okay, well, we're paying you $800 a month, uh, you know, for your, uh, let's see, a round number, $1,000 a month is what your total benefits are. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you're working at McDonald's and you're making $200 a month, okay, we're going to give you the other 800 but you have to keep your job. And and help people get out of that and oh, say, yeah. oh, you want to go to school at night? Okay, well, we'll pay to put your child in in you know some type of care while you go to school and you better yourself. And oh, now you're an LPN. All of a sudden, you can take care of yourself, and that's helping somebody up right. instead of saying, oh no, 
you made two hundred dollars last month. You get zero from us. Right. And I mean that's that's the the stupid thing. That, well, and that and, I don't get. And and where I'm worried is whether it comes in the. A new form of nationalism or a new form of socialism, this soft despotism that will be offered to all the people of this country, no matter their race or ethnicity or background or whatever, what will be offered will be under the auspices, under the excuse of we have to take care of one another and help one another. Yeah. But while they're doing that, folks, they're taking your liberty. What's that called? That's called the the uh, uh, bigotry of soft expectations. Yes, yeah, soft, soft bigotry of low expectations. Soft. That's it. Yeah, and that's why I said soft despotism. It's not like North Korea or even China or Russia, but it's in an abundance oh, Joey, to go. They and, can't. They can't take care of themselves. Right. No, we should. Uh, we should learn that we're in a place right now where. I'll just say this. The gravy train won't always be there. It won't. We are a very rich nation. But what got us there is the ingenuity of free people taking risks, falling on their own if they make the wrong decisions, and rising when they make the right ones. And heck, when you look at the world today, never in human history has a country been so charitable like this one. We are good people when we actually see problems in front of us, no matter what the politics and the news say. It's the best thing mm-hmm. that we do. And I, we, I don't know why we've been scared into this place that freedom is dangerous and risky and you can't survive, but power and government, discipline and punish will provide. It's just... It baffles me. Well, I mean, and that even goes back to, like, the health care system we talked about earlier. I mean, the Catholic Church, I mean, be you Protestant or Catholic, I mean, they did unbelievable things uh, in the health care system. Yeah. Down in this area. That, yeah. It is Baptist South. Yes. Baptist South. East, all the early they, founders they were, of the university across the nation, religious and they they yeah. did things to take care of people, and once they got co-opted with the government, and they started getting government funding and government mandates, that's when prices went. And, and let's be clear, skyrocketed. We're, we're on it. We've run out of time. But what is the government? It's just people, folks. It's just other people. <laughs> That's all it is. Other people with the legal power to do things nobody else in society can do. It's all the government is. It's not some special entity that exists apart from us. It's not all these wise and like No. It's just other people. So I hope we wake up and we learn to leave our fellows alone. At least when it comes to politics. Apathy is so much easier though, Joey. Well... I can testify to that. I'll be back tomorrow, folks. We're going to get weird with uh, Dave.